Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. It was June the 14th, 1777, that our founding fathers sat down and decided that we are going to have the red, white, and the blue and the United States flag. Jay Truett, did you have any idea that is the third oldest flag in the world? Wow, that's that's amazing. Uh, so is it just French and English flags that are older than us? No, Netherlands. The Netherlands, okay. And um, and Britain. And Yeah, and the British flag. Yeah, I said England, but I should have said it properly. Yeah. That's cool. The Brits are coming. The Brits are coming. Yeah. Yeah. That's something to be proud of, though, honestly. Right? That's crazy, I think. With and as I, young of a nation as we are, and we're the third oldest flag. Well, you know, some of it is. is you, uh, There's a whole bunch of countries that have... Uh, I, uh, let's take France as an example. You know, France has, has wavered between in the same time frame that we've existed, they've wavered between monarchy and flirted and, and participated in, I would suggest socialism slash communism on a number of occasions, right. And flirted back and forth between all of those boundaries um, never truly experiencing freedom, even though they may have helped invent it for, for other people in the world, they certainly uh, lost their own way. Uh, and most countries that are democracies, people like to put their own stamp on each thing and they don't realize that, uh, well, I guess one of the values that we have in the United States is that we sooner or later realize that uh, the United States is not about Joe Biden. It's not about Donald Trump. It's not about Ronald Reagan. It's not about a whole lot of things. You know, we were established and built on uh, uh, a set of values that created a set of freedoms and liberties and, and a constitutional document. But those values were real. And in a lot of respects, while none of them were new, they were new for governments to abide by. Um, the, the concept of democracy uh, is one thing. The concept of democracy where people really are class, not class-based, uh, class-less, uh, was a value. And uh, that, that we would all have the same individual rights, um, that's, that was something that was, that was pretty cool. And that they were uh, given to us by our creator. Right was another part of the value that was behind mm-hmm. the rights that were given to us, and and I know, I mean, again, that'll get you some people that'll call and they'll complain, etc. I understand that, right? But it it's in the opening line, <laughs> the lines. You know, you can't you can't you can't go backwards and rewrite history that is sealed under glass in uh, in a whole bunch of uh, different ways. So, and, and that's a cool thing. I think it's something that on days like today that we should celebrate. I, you know, I'm a veteran, uh, my good old air force hat and, uh, today, and I wear one of these just about every day. Uh, I didn't for a lot of years, not because I was ashamed, 
Um, that's never been the case. Uh, uh, but I do think that we live in a time period where it's important to uh, just to honor the people that, that have served. I have a number of members of my family, almost, almost, I would say maybe 75% of my family has served uh, in, the, wow. in one service or another. That's um, a big number. Yeah, it's a huge number. My uh, my uh, brother-in-law retired as a chief master sergeant here a few years ago. One of the longest serving chief master sergeants, Chief, chief Mike Murphy uh, in the United States Air Force. One of the one of true cool things, you know, that you can just kind of check off. Uh, and elsewhere inside the broader family, uh, a lot of those people turned out to be law enforcement when they came back from serving, et cetera. They became public servants in some form or fashion. A lot of fire. Should have turned my phone off before the show started, eh? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. you're a rookie. You know, what is this? I this know. Oh, maybe one day I'll learn. After 27,463 shows, you would think that we'd have yeah. to train, but not, not yet. Um, so while you're talking about 75% of your family has served, uh, this catches me a little off, and I think it's part of our lack of unity. We talk about being unified as a nation. Yeah. And Tennessee yesterday, uh, Bill Lee, the governor of Tennessee, made a declaration of Women's Veterans Day. And I see other states are kind of doing the same thing. If you're a veteran, you're a veteran. I don't yeah. care what your gender, I don't care your race. Say, I, I say thank you. All inclusive, yeah. not Thank you, women. Thank you, men. Thank you, you know, third straight purple guy, whatever. Right. I Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, and we have some women veterans in the family, too, right? That's why I didn't just say that the men were 75% mm-hmm. of the men. 75% of the, 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 the family have served in some respect. Or another. I, I'll say this, too, right? And this is not something that we – that that we often give enough credit to, but the spouses of full-time service members deserve um, an equal, an equal appreciation uh, for the sacrifice that they make. Not, and it's not just because, Oh, I had to move to Minot, North Dakota, and I'm from, you know, wherever in Mississippi or, uh, Idaho, right? That I, I don't live near my family anymore, et cetera, et cetera. While that, that's part of it. Um, in some cases, people probably want to live away from their family, right? Uh, and, and you're young usually and you're getting a start. And it's, it was a good thing. I lived overseas, lived and worked in a bunch of different places in the world. Um, but there, there were a good number of years when um, the TDYs that I was on and uh, the, the, the duty assignments that I took uh, started from overseas and went to other places overseas. And uh, I left my wife at home with the, with the little kids. She still had to manage life every day. And uh, certainly in those days, she didn't make any money. Uh, she doesn't always know if her husband's coming home. That's one of those things that's real. And if you've ever had to worry about things like that, um, you know, uh, cops, spouses do that every day. And uh, firefighter spouses do that on a daily basis. They're moms and dads and and uh, have that same worry. And anybody that's ever had a child, you, 
when do you stop worrying about your children, right? I mean, when do you stop being concerned for their welfare? If they turn out to be a, a state trooper somewhere and you know that they're always kind of alone out on a highway, mm-hmm. uh, we know the world we live in today. It's not it's the same world that it was a few years ago. And I, and so I think you, you either, you know, and again, as I said, I, I started, I started back wearing these air force hats, uh, some to honor the service that I, I once represented, but, but more importantly is it does, it does stir the discussion and people will thank you for your service. And I, I do appreciate that. Right. That, but that's not why I say it. I literally started doing it so that I could say the following. I said, do you truly appreciate the the service of people that, that serve? And I've never had anyone say anything other than, well, absolutely. And I said, then earn it. It's a two-way street. The The sacrifice yeah. I made was to offer my life a few times. I didn't have to give it, thankfully, right? I came, I came back in one big piece, right? Um, not missing any, any parts or pieces, which, which makes me a lucky one. Um, but from here on out, it's my, it's my duty, just like it's your duty, Trent, and everyone else that, that's within earshot of this, to, to earn that. And you do it by voting, being an informed voter, not being an idiot voter, not being a, a, a lemming voter, an informed voter. Uh, being informed of the issues, understanding what's going on in our own local communities. And I, I didn't fight so that Washington, D.C. could do something. That wasn't what that was about for me. I fought that so that the people in my local community could live free, be proud, be brave, be the home of, the, uh, of, of liberty and freedom. So my, my comment literally back to people is, Great. Thank you very much. Now you earn it. Jay Truett, veteran of the day. We will be back on Flag Day 2022 with more rollout after this. Yeah, I just sent a request to Ben Mole, who's in charge of marketing for Certified Piedmontese. The Certified Piedmontese Ironman competition took place this past weekend in Des Moines. I want to get him on Trent on the Loose and talk about exactly what that involves and how the Iron Man, the people of rigorous exercise and strenuous activity, are using certified Piedmontese as a means of strength. We need more strength in the cattlemen of the Great Plains of America to be a part of the supply chain. Get more details about what that means for you as a cattleman. And you get that by going to the website, LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Welcome back. Real route, Trent Luce, alongside Jay Truett. Andrew Henderson, by the way, is off today. He um, has a family situation. His father-in-law has passed. Claire is dealing with cancer. She had a great day yesterday in a hyperbaric chamber, Jay. And Andrew was on cloud nine. Her father passed. So our thoughts and prayers to Andrew and his family, Claire. Wow, that's a real struggle. And anybody who's ever uh, lost somebody close to them, we all have uh, at some point. If you haven't, you will. It's just going to happen, right? It is. Uh, yeah, everything lives, everything dies. Yeah, it's a heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching time. And uh, to add that on top of uh, the cancer stress again, 
And sometimes we say it, you know, kind of innocently or uh, without really thinking it and feeling it, but truly your heart and your heart goes out to the family that's experienced a loss like that. It's a real thing. You're going to make your way to Keystone on the fourth day of July to join us. I don't know. I tell you, I did go. I did go to a political event uh, Friday night. I try to avoid them. Uh, it's not a political event, by the way. No, I was just going to say this though. I, let me sneak it in. It's. I, I mean, I don't mean this like as a plug for a candidate kind of thing, but I went and listened to a young lady, Kalina Bruce, that's running for the fourth district in Missouri. Which Kalina's is awesome. And and you know, I mean, she is and. And the truth is, and it's not because she's a bright, young, you know, uh, she's really bright. So she is bright. Um, and by my standards, she's younger than me, obviously. She's an attractive candidate in, in all the... Yeah, all the she's younger world. than you. You got that yeah. one right. Yeah. But she's, she's an attractive candidate in all the, the political ways, right? You know, she kind of has the right look and and uh, she she can deliver a speech you know she can she can pull one off all of that is all of that is one thing the difference is again it's back to kind of what we were talking about before she's one of those people that just has a different set of values and her her you can you can tell when she opens her mouth that those values drive what she's going to say i bet her and well i know her and i don't go to the same uh, church denomination, right? We don't attend the same, the, that, that same pocket. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, but she has a value that respects um, the freedom and liberty that we have in the United States. She spent a lifetime, uh, a big part of her adulthood, working as a CPA, a pretty darn good one from what I understand. And uh, with that said, she understands how the government can become your boss if you're not careful. Um, and I, and she does a lot of tax returns for a whole lot of people in that area where she lives and, and for really wealthy and, and, and not wealthy folks. Uh, and I just think it's, it's refreshing to find somebody that has that value base that really represents who and what we are out here in rural America. So I, I, I've known Kalina. She's been on this program twice, by the way. Yeah. And um, I reached out to her the minute I saw that she was running and, and told her I would help her in any way, shape, or form. Jay, you have to have witnessed this more than anybody. The problem to me is that you have a lot of Kalina Bruce's in every state that run with the right values, with the right principle, with the right context of the constitution that there are the rights granted to us by God enabled by the, the founding fathers and they get there for a period of time and they they slowly over a period of time become somebody that they were not yeah oh, many, so my question to you is how many people can actually resist the cesspool yeah I think the answer so the question can I take, I know where the conversation ends up going for people. Most people are <laughs> limits, right? Yeah. And I think you and I have talked about this before. I know we have off, off air, 
I, I'm not a term limit supporter, right? I never have been. I think the, I think there is a term limit process, but that requires us to be active and real, right? And not get pumped by the, by the ads that run and the overwhelming force of a, of a well, well oiled machine that's well funded because it's done nothing but collect money for years and years and years in Washington, DC. Uh, but with that said, I think the answer really is, is it's different for everybody. I've seen, I've seen a handful of people that I think never really changed because of the office that they were in. The, the person that stands out to me based on the personal conversations I had with him uh, over the years, and he became a, a, a real personal mentor to me as well and to other members of my family. He's still, uh, he still mentors my daughter in, in, in strange ways today that, that, you know, just only, uh, only a truly good person would do, um, was John Ashcroft. And I know there's people that, oh, they just despise him or, you know, he did this or he did that. There's some decision he made as attorney general. They can't stand him there. He's so rigid, you know, but the John Ashcroft that you knew in 1984, uh, you can go, uh, go meet with him today. He's that. He's pretty much that same. He may have changed his slight position, but he never went he never went sleazy. He never sold out. He never actually became part of the establishment. He's a little bit of a pariah still today in Washington, D.C. People just don't like him because they're they feel awkward around him because they know they changed. Mm-hmm. Right. And so now they don't know how to say something good about it. I uh, one of the worst things that happens I'll just be honest with you about this as well. And it's, it concerns me when I see really good members of the house that have kept the faith and that are still their same people that run for the Senate because the Senate seems to change them faster than any. I don't know what goes on over there. There's something in the air in that room. That yeah, seems- you want to talk about my Senator? Just bring it up. Well, people that have great legislative careers earlier in their life that have been true freedom fighters and have, well, while I might have agreed or disagreed with them, you know, on an issue, you knew that the, you knew who they were and they were who they were. And then they go to the United States Senate and they become this person, you know, that uh, you just see them uh, setting, contemplating their power over the universe, you know, and how they yeah. fit in and, and they begin to cut weird deals with themselves. Look at what's happened to John Cornyn. Uh, just watch the migration of John Cornyn, who was a moderate conservative, a moderate Republican, you know, from day one. Um, but look, look at how he's just like slowly just washed himself left even more and more so that he can move into leadership positions in, in DC. And I, uh, even uh, uh, Senator Roy Blunt, who I love personally, I truly do. I just say that as a person. I've been friends with the guy forever, but I can't explain the votes he's taken over the last and his actions over the last years. It's almost like a person that I don't I don't know the same. And uh, he was one of the people who's really instrumental in bringing me to Washington D.C. in the first place. Mr. Ashcroft being the first, but Roy Blunt was my biggest cheerleader. And, uh, 
but see, even this conversation troubles me, Jay, in that, for example, today the primary is happening in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And in Nebraska, in our primary, we had a 42% turnout. South Dakota had a 32% turnout. I'm sure North Dakota won't be any different. And and the turnout's not bigger because people hear our conversation about this and they just exit the scene. They they don't participate because they think it's already all done. The only answer is showing up at 92% and yeah. be informed. You said that well, right off the bat. Don't right. vote based yeah. upon what you don't know. If you as a citizen of the United States don't at least do the research to figure out who you're voting for before you vote for them, you're you're not participating in the right way, and you're part of the problem. I got to go to a break, and then you can expand upon that. We're halfway through. It's Flag Day 2022. Speaking of North Dakota, I do wish I was at Flag Day Parade in Medora, North Dakota. I haven't talked about Medora for a long time. One of my fond memories was driving my team of Pertrans in the Flag Day Parade. AdoraND.com. They're having a Flag Day Parade today as well. We'll be back with more Jay Trode after this. I'm proud to announce today the Wall of Honor will be a part, a big part of our event in Keystone, along with Protect the Harvest, making it possible. Families Feeding Families also contributing to the cause for the event called Bridging America. We need unity when it comes to food security. And we need to focus on the veterans. And that is exactly what the Wall of Honor does. The Wall of Honor features the veterans. In fact, if you have a veteran that you would like to be featured on the Wall of Honor, go to wallofhonor.org. You can get more details about how to submit that and plan now to attend Bridging America, Keystone, July 4th, 2022, Keystone, South Dakota. Details at bridgingamerica.us. Once again, bridgingamerica.us. Kevin Jenkins in Keystone. Welcome back. Roll route. Jay Truitt, Andrew Henderson off today. Family issues. Thoughts and prayers for the Henderson family. All right, Jay, I, I gave you this dissertation about being an informed voter and show up in droves. That's the answer. And then I cut you off. Didn't let you say anything. No, I, so I, I, you know, I'm a lobbyist uh, by trade. Um, and, um, while it's not what I spend every waking moment doing now, I still, uh, I train people to be a lobbyist on, on a regular basis. And, and, you know, and, and one, like a light bulb went on this 20 years ago for me, um, was that, uh, a, an empowered citizen can defeat any lobbyist in Washington, DC. If you just square them off one to one. And that one citizen happens to be a constituent. They don't even have to be the wealthiest or most powerful constituent. They can be just an ordinary person. But they can, they can, I have seen it with my own eyes that they have convinced because their argument was right um, and made an honest argument uh, to support a position and the most powerful lobbyist from Exxon or Amazon or somebody else um, uh, that had the same footing as that individual, um, but they were merely a paid representative in D.C., would get defeated. But part of that is part of what makes that work is, and I do agree, so none, nothing I just, nothing I'm going to say after this 
argues even for a minute second with what you said about people turning out to vote. But I go a step further and say this. It's not enough just to vote. You Listen, we live in a society where the, the, uh, like a third of the people, according to the polls I've looked at, spend like eight hours or more a week reading and being involved or writing or doing something on social media. And yet you can, you can ask any number of people, well, you know, and they'll tell you, well, I don't like what uh, Deb Fisher did. Well, did you talk to Deb Fisher? Did you? Did you consult with her? Now, I know you did, Trent. So Is I, that a question? Because I want to answer the question. Just, like, you wouldn't <laughs> go off and disagree with somebody. Not, well, I you can't you can answer the question, but I, I what I'm saying is is the average the average person when you talk to them they don't say anything they they never communicate with any of their elected officials. Heck, mm. they don't talk to their local um, county commissioners. I know about the issues that matter. All right, so you ask, I'm going to tell you, yeah. Senator Deb Fisher from Nebraska was present at Davos. Three weeks ago. Yeah. And so I did the what I thought was a dutiful thing as a citizen and as a media person. I called her office five consecutive days while she was still there and when she got home to inquire about an interview because I wanted I was not confrontational. I just said, I want to know why my senator is at Davos at the World Economic Forum a place where they have talked about the only path forward is eliminating from 8 million to 2, excuse me, 8 billion to 2 billion people on the planet. They literally talk about killing 5 billion people. So my senator is there. I just want to know why. Are you there acquiring information to see how real this is or what the story is? Five straight days, Jay, I called. First two days, I left a voicemail. Nobody answered the phone. I got this automated system. The next three days, somebody answered when I left a, a voice or a, a message, exactly what I wanted. No return call, nothing. Lo and behold, a week ago Friday, Senator Deb Fishers and my audience at the Cattleman's Ball of Nebraska, Cass County, uh, Nebraska, uh-huh. weeping water. I went and said, hello, Senator. And she stood up. We had a respectful discussion. I said, did they tell you I've called your office five consecutive days requesting an interview about why you're in Davos? She said, oh, no, Trent, nobody told me that. But I've interviewed with uh, KFAB and Steve White. I said, well, I'm not KFAB or Steve White. I want to do an interview about why you were there. Well, Trent, this one should set everybody off. Trent, I no longer control my time. You'll have to get permission from my people. I said, well, Deb. We're here now. I have my recorder. We could just do a quick thing. Oh, no, I'm, I'm visiting with these people. I'm not going to do an interview. So yesterday, last attempt, I called once again asking her people to do an interview. And at the end of this day, when there is no response, I'm going to make sure everybody who shares the same concern that I do knows what her phone number is and calls and asks why she was at Davos. Yeah. It's that simple. I think you and, and Jay, this yeah. is a person that in her very first senatorial campaign, I helped her. Yeah. Well, and it's I, I, again, I do think 
I do think that the that's when so that I, this is going to sound like I'm telling everybody that they need to throw Deb Fisher out, and I actually don't know. Uh, I so she's not my senator, right? So I don't get to I don't mm. get to vote for her. Um, but I will tell you this: I think uh, I think that's when we uh, we as individual citizens impose our term limit on on representatives that represent us when they have become so mechanized in their representation of us that we're just a a cog far down in their wheel of machinery and they don't see people as constituents. They don't see their hometown media as the, uh, as more important than ABC, NBC, CBS, whatever, blah, uh, JB nine out of New York. Right. Um, I, I think that's, that's, when we impose term limits and in some cases uh, that's two years, right? That's the reason that these, uh, these uh, arbitrary numbers um, don't really work for, for me when we pick term limits. Uh, I do think there's value in institutional knowledge and some people are the same people. You know what? Listen, if you, if you live in Iowa and you've ever called Chuck Grassley, you know that Chuck Grassley today is the same ornery old cuss that he was probably when he was in his 30s. I doubt the guy's changed even a tiny bit. He got older, maturer. He may have learned some things about issues that make him differently informed. Um, But I will guarantee you that Chuck Grassley today is Chuck Grassley of 1978, too. And he... If you go in and lo- I, uh, having been one of those people who has who probably lobbied Chuck Grassley as much as any any single person did for about ten years of my life, mm-hmm. I will tell you that he will look you straight in the eye and say, "Well, that's great. Everything you say could be true. My constituents disagree. I disagree because I'm going to be with the people that I represent and." What you said may be a fact, you know, elsewhere in the country, but I don't live elsewhere in the country. Uh, in, in every respect, I don't represent America. Sometimes I just represent Iowa and I'm going to vote for what I think is best for Iowa. Well, I, I, I got to say, even though sometimes he crushed me. Right. Uh, on a on an issue um, at some time or another, and sometimes we, I want some. Sometimes he won, obviously. But uh, with that said, the reality is, is that uh, I walked away. I never walked away feeling as though he was bought and sold, right? Uh, Or that the machinery had taken over. Uh, All of them, I think, fall prey to And he's been there over 30 years. Yeah. But I don't want to term limit Chuck Grassley out. You know what I learned from Chuck Grassley? There. You know, for a short period of time in 2002, I was actually employed by a radio network. Mm-hmm. My only time I actually got paid to do radio, by the way. <laughs> and I was, um, I went to a Chuck Grassley PR campaign, which is literally what it was, but it was about trying to get additional funding and support for methane digesters tied to livestock facilities. And he was going to go, to all 99 counties and he was going to 
go prove that you could capture methane. By the way, this is in 2002. And I saw him get out of the vehicle. There was 30 people there total at this event, the one event by Creston, Iowa that I attended. 30 people there. Chuck Grassley got out of his vehicle. He walked over, talked to his handler. He didn't ask who his constituents were that were there. He said, because I was standing close enough to hear him, who's here from the media? And so the guy pointed out the three of us that were there from the media. And from that moment on, everything Chuck Grassley said to that audience, he made sure that he was standing by a media person that could clearly hear what he said when he said it. Yeah. He knew how to use the media to his advantage. Yeah. And that's why he's still there 30 years. Yeah. That's after his well, time in the house. Yeah. No, that's what I was going to say. And, you know, whether it's uh, – there's some people that I don't agree with at all politically that never changed, right? They are still who they are and they, and they do represent their district, right? But it's because they stay really close to the people that are at home and, uh, and, and really watch that. And in those offices, the honest to goodness truth is you can go in and have a conversation with them. And it's usually, it's usually fairly respectful. If you're respectful, they're respectful. You know, mm-hmm. if you're going to be a dickhead when you walk into somebody's office. Listen, there is a way to be successful in communicating with politicians. Um, and, and there's a way to be unsuccessful doing it. Uh, and, I misspoke, Jay. Yeah. Chuck Grassley was elected to that Senate seat in 1981, three years yeah. before I graduated high school. That means it is his 42nd year. In the U.S. Senate representing Iowa. I got to take a break. We'll be back with the last segment of Roll Route J. Truett Flag Day 2022 after this. When I have over the years shared the information because people want to be critical of nitrates, people want to be critical of estrogen, I'll tell people that you, you're worried about your bacon or your ham because it's cured and it might have nitrates, but you flock to eating leafy greens because leafy greens are the highest level of nitrate possible. And you know what the first question that person always asks me? How do they get them in there? How do they get them in there, Nathan? <laughs> well, they're, they're cured, right? They're cured vegetables. And vegetables actually cure many diseases. So just like your bacon's cured. You know, I wrote a paper called uh, Nitrite, the cure for chronic disease. So just like nitrite, nitrate cure meat and prevent, you know, lipid oxidation and prevent, you know, food spoilage and bacterial infections and or bacterial overgrowth in the food. They do the same thing to us. They cure a lot of things because they improve nitric oxide. They improve oxygenation. They prevent oxidation, inflammation, and immune dysfunction. You want to live a cured life? Take a nitric oxide supplementation every day like I do. NO2U.com. It's NO2U.com. Put trend as your coupon code and you win big favors because you get free shipping and a 10% discount. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Lewis, alongside veteran of the United States Air Force, Jay Truitt. As we, 40 years is long enough to be in the Senate, Jay. Yeah, sure it is. 40 years is long enough probably to do any job that you need to move on. And, that, and that, now, he's, now he's coaching and mentoring his grandson to take over. Yeah, okay. Well, if, you know what? If his grandson is, uh, is just like him, I'll take him. Uh, because they have the same last name, I'm not afraid of that. Um, I, I'm more worried about Mitt Romney coaching his sons to take over. 
his seat, right, than I am Chuck Grassley. And they both serve in the same party. Um, well, kind of. I'm not for sure they do, really. But with that said, I think, uh, again, you know, I just uh, I do understand why people want to just vote out incumbents by their very nature. And, and we need to do that. There's from time to time, I do think that um, it's good to burn the prairie, right? Um, there's a reason that fire in nature, uh, fire is a part of nature, right? So I get that uh, and, and can appreciate it just at a, at a real earth-based level. Um, but I just don't think an ad hoc number for the number of years. Again, I've seen, I've seen members of, members of the house that I loved, uh, watching them. And I heard their first speeches. Uh, I had the privilege for a lot of years that we were one of the first stops for a lot of rural people to come. Cause I happened to be, uh, the guy that signed those pack checks, you know, for, uh, for political candidates. So people, some fundraiser campaign manager would parade new people in front of us. I've, I felt like I'd meet some of the brightest people. And then I'd go back and actually talk to them after they got elected. And it was like six weeks after they were elected, they'd already forgot what this was all about. They got captivated yeah. by the trappings of the city and the, and the actions going on around them. And sometimes the size of the, the decisions themselves captivated people and gave them a, their own new self-importance. And they stopped they stopped having the same values that I had talked to them about years before. And, uh, and lo and behold, they become somebody different. And I, th- those people need to go in two years Two, actually we almost should start recalling some people that are just real asses uh, from day one and, and start over again. And so I, it, it became clear to me, that's why I said what I did earlier on about Kalina Bruce, right? The, the thing that I started looking for in candidates from that point forward. And, and she even, we texted back and forth on the day of that particular event when I told her that I was going to be able to attend, et cetera. And, and we talked, well, again, like you, I've known her for a long time. She's somebody that I've known from my community uh, for a while. And, and she goes, well, I don't normally ask advice from people who are lobbyists, right? Because it's not my thing, but she goes, I know that you look at the, at the world a little bit differently. Do you have any, any, it wasn't really that she asked for any counsel. She goes, do you have any words of wisdom for me? And I said, listen, you be you and always be you never stop being you. And if that doesn't work for the district, then so be it. But as long as you're yourself and you keep the same value system that you have today, uh, I don't believe in a real selfish nature, right? That's not what I mean when I say you be you. That's what society says when they mean it, but that's not what I mean. I mean, you were given a set, You, all of us were blessed with a certain set of inalienable rights. I do believe that. Not just because we're Americans, but because we're, we are human beings. And if, if you're either going to have those values or you're not, don't let Washington, D.C. change you. It'll do everything in its power to change you. Everything it can to turn you into one of its minions. Don't let it do it. I left living in D.C. on a day-to-day basis because I, I knew it was changing me. I could feel it. You know that. You know me well enough to know that it was changing me. 
And I just had to, I had to just step back away from it. And so I, I think some politicians have a hard time with that. Some don't. I mean, uh, some people come to town and say things that they want to, they came to town to run the machinery in town and to change the direction of the party. The very first time I met with Kevin McCarthy, whether you like or dislike Kevin McCarthy, the very first meeting I had with Kevin McCarthy when he was a, a lowly state rep in, uh, in California was, what, what do you see yourself doing? And he goes, I think I'm destined to be the Speaker of the House of Representatives so that I can change the direction of this country. We're headed in the wrong direction. And you better I better get after it. Well, you know, he's, he'll probably get a shot at that yeah. uh, here coming up in, in about six or eight months, I'm guessing. But, uh, I mean, the Republican Party is going to do everything it can to implode before, uh, before the general election. Um, and the media is going to help pour gas on that fire. So, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Did, in the meantime, did he turn into, uh, uh, is he going to turn into something else or, or not? Right. Uh, we'll see. Changing course a bit in the last half of this last segment. Um, how close are you staying in tune with what's now becoming a general discussion? Um, across the pond earlier this morning, uh, I, I mentioned that Gateway Pundit has now identified 97 incidents, including the euthanization of turkeys and chickens by day. 97 times there's been a disruption in the food system since January 2021. At what point does this become an issue? I don't know. It uh, The gas had to go from, from uh, $236 to $5 before anyone in the administration acknowledged that that might actually be an issue. Which, by the way, the whole reason nobody would... Um, Joe Biden's not going to notice the gas prices. He's never paid for it. He's a public transportation president, right? I mean, right. He, he rode a train. I, You know, I don't know, but it's it's one of the more real things that we're going to have to face. I will tell you this, if you, if you roam around the country very much, which I've done a lot of over the last several, uh, uh, two or three weeks now, uh, I've been, I've been all over the country and nobody doubts that it's real and that there's something that's just not right here. And what seems to be the, the thing that people are focused on, which I'm not for sure is the right thing to focus is why isn't the government, you know, doing something about the fact that, that, um, I'm not for sure. We may already be too late for the government to, to fix the first half of this. It, if you listen to Senator Barrasso here a couple of weeks ago, I don't, I'm not a Sunday morning uh, TV show guy just because I think most of that's a crock. But what did he tell people to do? He said, hey, let, somebody asked him, so well, what can people do to prepare? And he goes, oh, or, or what can we do to fix this? And he goes, well, we're not going to get it fixed. We've already created a scenario where we're going to have energy shortages. We're going to have food supply shortages. He goes, if I were to give people a single piece of advice, just be self-sufficient and, and uh Make sure you have a generator because I don't even think we can keep the grid on full time. And so, you know what? To me, he's one of the guys that stayed pretty real in this whole process. You may yeah. not agree with him all the time. But he's the same guy today that he was when he got elected the first time. Well, you just named the, the real. Problem. You just identified the real problem we have. 
too many people still say, why isn't the government fixing this? The government is always the problem. They're never the solution. And until you accept the responsibility to be the solution, we're going to continue to have a problem. Amen. There's not more to say than just that. That is what this is all about. And we became real lazy and lackadaisical as, as a people in this country. And there's been, we've, listen, we've had a couple generations. I lived a pretty great life, right? I was able to make everything that I wanted to make. And I was able to do what I wanted to do. And I had all my freedoms most of my life that was earned by my dad and the generation before him. And what are you leaving for a legacy as your kid? That's my question. What, what legacy are you leaving for your, for your kids? And don't blame the government. My dad didn't. But he left me a pretty, a pretty damn good go. And, uh, and I took it, and I didn't leave the same one for my kids. It's the thing that, that should haunt us, the, mm-hmm. um, the generation of adults that are, that are really running America today should be haunted by it. And we still have time to fix it. We do. And the other part of it that I see is like last week, I'm at the North Dakota state FFA convention and they had 1500 students in the blue and gold sitting there. And you talk to these kids, Jay, and you get into any high school and and not all the kids, but the kids who, who are rooted, they, they still know they're going to go change the world in a better way. It's not until they come out of high school that some adult, typically in a college convinces them that they need to conform to mainstream instead of being individuals and being innovative and do something extraordinary. So as long as we have a crop of kids that still have this thought process, we can get in there and empower them instead of stymieing them. But somewhere, somewhere in your life, you went through that same time period, right? All of us were teenagers, idealistic teens at some point, right? And we either felt that way or we didn't. But someone, I'm guessing it's a dad, an uncle, a mom, uh, a mentor of some sort or another, but somebody that took you under their wing and said, hey, Trent, you know what? You you go do your thing and don't stop, right? You don't get to stop. And and people go, well, I get tired of doing this, that, and the other. You know, um, uh, do you get... You can go find people that are just roaming around malls in America or walking through a Walmart or hanging out someplace, just wasting away hours of their life. Yeah. Do something constructive. You know, talk to a young person, help a young person achieve their goals. Help them. When they, and they're going to they're going to find somebody that will pitch against them. We I'm in my wife's uh, uh mercantile and pie shop this morning, right? And she hired a young lady to work here. That is the whole reason that that young lady is here is to help her figure out how to go to college and and to start achieving those goals, one or two or three things at a time. And it's not just about giving them money so that they can do that. It's about something much bigger and broader than that. Make sure that they make sure that they understand they can just keep charging forward. I actually don't even care if they don't agree with me ideology-wise in many respects. There's a lot of things we can disagree about if we agree on the basic fundamentals that it's your responsibility, not the government's, to fix it. 
long as that's not the ideology split that we have, I'm, I'm happy to disagree with you and still help encourage you and, and, and even work to support you when I can. Uh, but, that'll do it. We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America for J. Trent Lewis. Both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a rural route.